Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. I want to pray for the ministry that you're doing. I'd love to, as we're talking about today, we have Pastor Beth with us. She's going to be talking about a church plant and be bringing the word about how God is, uh, is using them to plant a church down in, in a Federal Way. But Pastor Harry, I'd like for you to share about why you planted the Living Church. How many years ago did you start the Living Church? 2003. 2003. So can you just share a little bit about why you did that and why that was important to you? And, and then at the end, how we can pray for you today. So why do you do what you do? Sure. Uh, first of all, I, I probably would like you to uh, sitting down, not to stand up. I feel like, <laughs> I See, feel like you, he, he, you, you are nicer than I am. You're watching me and try to judge me or something. When you sit down, it's more relaxed. I mean, I feel much comfortable with that. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, my name is Harry Darmono and I grew up in uh, Indonesia. And uh, why I came to Seattle uh, to plant the church here. Uh, Seattle is my third place to plant the church. It is it's always in my heart to plant the church. I would love to plant the church. I usually always sign up when there is an opportunity to plant the church. And, and, and one of my friends told me about Seattle, and uh, he said that a lot of uh, Indonesian students coming from here, and they are fresh from 16, 17, 18 to study here, and uh, he said this is a golden opportunity to reach out because many of them are not coming from the Christian background. And uh, most of them who came here, they're coming from the Indonesian uh, family where is who and who and the mover of Indonesia. So it's a chance if you reach them out, they know Jesus with the power that they have, it will bring a lot of impact and influence to Indonesia a lot. And, and I think also... Uh, uh, that's a challenge. I, I always love a uh, challenge and, uh, to the mission of Jesus. I know it's not easy when we started. We start with two people, uh, two Indonesian uh, students started here when we started, and I barely know anybody. And I can see uh, 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 my 18 years in Seattle is, is I think, is the toughest and also the best because I learned more God so much in Seattle in the, my journey that is also hard and difficult, but I see in the hand of God moving on so amazingly. And, 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 and now I go through the time where uh, in my 18 years planting the church here, a lot of students usually when they came here, either two years or four years, so it's like an army brag where uh, a new cadet coming in, being trained, and then being sent out on that one. And, and in this, this kind of thing is so hard as a pastor. If you're a pastor, you know how it is, right? Uh, the church has like, a, a, it's like an army camp. But I'm so thankful for Pastor Dwayne, SEC family here that is embracing, you know. Uh, there, is, there, is, there, is, there is no way that I can be like today without the support and love from the SEC family. They really have a, a very a great mission heart that enable me to survive, to plant the church, and to lead and uh, to guide the Indonesian student who came here and someday will become a big influence for Indonesia. So what you do by uh, uh, covering our church is actually you do a mission globally. Even though you act locally, but you do mission globally in a very um, tremendous way. You will never see that 
the people that is being, being reached out, someday will become the person that can change Indonesia uh, closer. You know, uh, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country, and it's always the best. That's the way how we are. When the people send out, they can be a blessing for Indonesia in a yeah. very amazing way. You can pray for me and the church for the next step, the next level. Uh, what will be the next, we still don't know. We are coming into the season that we don't know what will be the next. But I know God has so much more with uh, our church and with our relationship as a church. We feel like we are so blessed to have this family. You have been fathering our church in a very tremendous way. Thank you, Pastor Duane. You know, we're all about discipleship. And last week we talked about how we're becoming and making disciples as we gather, grow, go. And when I talked to Pastor Harry, when he talks about how he disciples and how he's just, just you're bringing in these students and then you're sending them. You're bringing them and you're sending them. And I know that can be, it's hard sometimes to send because these are friends. These aren't just people that, that you're just pouring into, but these are people that pour into you. And I know that can be hard to send, but you're literally sending seeds around the world. And so I just want to say just thank you for your heart for discipleship. That's the heart of Jesus. That's our heart of every disciple is making disciples. But would you just join me today in just extending your hand? And Pastor Harry is a nicer guy than me. He had to sit down, so I'm going to have you stand up again. But can we just stand up and extend your hand? And would you join me in praying for my, my, my brother? And just go ahead and start praying now. Start praying now. Lift your voice together. Don't listen to me. You engage. You lift your voice. For Pastor Harry and for TLC, the Living Church, Father, you showed your love for us when you sent Pastor Harry to us to partner with us. Lord, we are partners together in the ministry of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for him. And, Lord, I pray that even now, Lord, as we pray for him, Lord, that he would just experience the love of Christ pouring so strong in his life, that encouragement, Lord, to stay strong in the mission that you have given to him, that he would stay strong in the empowerment because everything that we need you give us as we step, as we walk, you provide, you empower us. So, Lord, may he receive it. May his leadership, may they receive it. May every person that walks through those doors of the TLC, may they receive that empowerment and that commissioning from you, oh God. Lord, continue to be with him as he looks to that next step. Lord, this, this new thing that you're doing in his life. Lord, I pray that his eyes would see it. I pray that the eyes of his leadership would see it. I pray the eyes of his community would see it, that nothing would darken their lens. Lord, that the work of the enemy, Lord, would be defeated, that they would see what you're doing and that they would press on. They would press on in Jesus' name. And God, that we would likewise do the same that we would let nothing hold us back, but we would recognize the moment that we're in. We would recognize the season we, that we are in and the opportunity that we have. Lord, we're in one of the most unreached cities in the world. Lord, may we not waste the opportunity that we've been given. May we not waste it, but may we receive your invitation. Your invitation, Lord, to be salt and light in Jesus' name. So, Lord, bless my brother. Bless his team. And, Lord, continue to use us. Lord, you fill us so that we can pour out. So, Lord, help us to be generous as we pour out on all that we do. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said it again. Amen, amen. Before you see it, take some time to welcome everybody. But also, I want to welcome, we have, uh, two weeks ago, I was blessed to be part of a wonderful wedding. I want to introduce Mr. and Mrs. Hargrove, Eden and Davina. <laughs> Newlyweds. Man, it's so good to be together. 
want to say something as well. This goes, there's going to be a lot of just really cool things happening today. It's what happens when we come together and encourage one another. But want to welcome Melora Forey back to here today. Amen. <laughs> Melora, welcome here. Also, I uh, just want to say, Steve, it's good to see you today. We've been praying for you. Steve is fresh out of the hospital today. He's been in the hospital. And you weren't supposed to get out until later this week, but the Lord uh, just opened up doors. And he asked if he could share something. I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for all your support. Some of you know, some of you don't. I just experienced my fourth bowel blockage. And this was the worst one I've had. One day I will have to have surgery. I know that as a fact. Does that scare me? No. Because God is with me. I look forward to the day. I hope I live to see it. When there's no more cerebral palsy. Down syndrome. Spine of infant. By the grace of God, I'm here with you today. And again, I just want to say thank you for all the love. Also, my wife Emily says thank you too. Hopefully she's on watching us right now. All right, thanks guys. Amen. Amen. Can we just again pray for Steve? You know, I, I, I love Steve. I'm very biased to hockey fans and for fans that cheer for the right team. Um, but can we just pray for my brother today? Lord, again, thank you for Steve. And Lord, thank you for the work. He wasn't supposed to get out the next week. But, Lord, by your grace and your mercy, he's here. So, Lord, we thank you for our brother, and we do pray for healing for him and for Emily. We pray in Jesus' name, and we echo that prayer. We know one day we will all be healed. No more pain, no more sorrow. We're praying for you too, Val. I heard, I heard that. Amen. And so, Lord, we, we give you thanks for your goodness and for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you, Steve. Amen. Amen. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, again, part of our, I forgot to do this earlier because I just got so excited, but part of our worship is giving, is giving. And this is part, this is the, the response of every believer that recognized that when we're Christ followers, how many of you recognize that everything I have is from God? It's not about me. The Lord is my provider. And the Bible, we see this biblical practice of bringing that tie that at the very beginning, Lord, th this is yours. It's not coercive. It's not manipulative. It's a response of worship. And so as a, as, as a community today, uh, for those of us that are at Shoreline Community Church, we use our church center app predominantly, but we also have boxes in the back that you can just uh, give your tithe there. We also give in missions. We have missionaries all over the world and local that, that we engage with because we are in such a season the harvest opportunities are immense, and our responsibility is to go as we go, but also to help those as they go, whether they're local with all the missions, with Union Gospel Mission, Community Dinners, Olive Crest, PRC, amen, Melora, as well as globally. So thank you for your faithfulness and giving, as well as, as those that, of you that, that are here at the Living Church, you can just give the ways that you normally do. And uh, just continue to be, to be faithful. You know, Micah, the, the, Lord, the Lord says, just test me in this. 
This is between you and the Lord. So for those of you that are giving today, can you just give a response of praise to the Lord and giving him thanks? Father, we give you thanks for your goodness, for your kindness, for your generosity towards us. And Lord, I thank you for a community that responds in generosity and in a recognition to you and saying, Lord, this is yours. And we also recognize that this is the place you've called us to, what the Bible often refers to as the storehouse, that we come in and we launch from here as we go. So, Lord, use this. Bless it. Move on our hearts. I know so at times it's difficult. Trusting you is difficult. But, Lord, we know that you've given us all the faith that we need. Lord, help us to respond and to see that faith grow as we respond in our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said together, amen, 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 amen. Well, today we have a special guest with us that you've heard us talk about. Uh, Pastor Beth Back is, is here with us on the front row. And she is, you're, is officially launching the church next week, I believe, right? Amen. So she's, she's going to be here today talking about it. And I want to tee this up because we're very excited about what she's doing. But my prayer is not only that we would connect with what she's doing down in Federal Way, but also that it would ignite our heart as we talk about the vision that God's given us for discipleship. One of the things that we're praying about is, Lord, what's that next, that next PAC church, that parent-affiliated church? What's that next church plant that you would have us be a part of? And my prayer is that as you see what the Lord is doing in their community, as, you, as she shares from the word about why she's doing what she's doing, that it would empower us, ignite us, and inspire us to see what God is doing in federal way in greater Seattle and the world. Amen. So before she shares today, they have this wonderful video that they'd like to share that just talks a little bit about the table. Let's connect with this video and then let's receive from the word of the Lord together. Well, good morning, Shoreline and TLC family. I will remember. It's so good to be with you. I remember a few years ago getting a credential application by this young man named Pastor Harry Darmano and uh, got a chance to meet him and hear about his vision. And it's so incredible to see what God has done from the very beginning to where you are today. It's so amazing. And, and likewise, a few years ago, a mutual friend uh, invited me out and said, you need to meet this lady. Her name is Stephanie Smith. And uh, I remember going out to lunch and immediately, you know those people that you just click with immediately? Well, let's be honest. Let's be, yeah, Dwayne says, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, let's be honest. We don't always like everybody. We meet right away. But immediately I fell in love with your pastor and then got to meet Dwayne later. And out of all of the pastors in this network, you have some of the most amazing pastors who truly love God and love people. Well, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a bit on a Holy Spirit high this morning. Uh, we had our first community outreach event last night inside the mall in Federal Way, and we had over 300 people come out uh, during the day. We had uh, music and games and prizes, but every 15 minutes we had someone get up and share a life-changing testimony about how Jesus brought them hope. And we had such an amazing group of people from the community. Federal Way has over 135 different nationalities represented where we are planting our church. And half of the population is under the age of 35. It's an incredible place. And so uh, we're super excited to be here with you and share with you. You know, my husband and I just celebrated 25 years of being married. 
And uh, yeah, kind of, kind of accomplishment. We were 12. We were 12 when we got married. No. Um, but one of the favorite things Greg and I like to do at our house is we like to host. We like to host people. We like to cook. So here's how it works. Greg does all of the barbecue, and then I do all of the sides and the desserts, right? So we make a great team. And one year, I decided to put a little guest book out, you know, like they do at little retreat centers. We stopped counting at over 100 people in one year and uh, that we had had through our home. Missionaries, neighbors. Uh, in a few weeks, we're having our waiter over that we met. Uh, my husband just turned... Uh, can I tell him how old you are? Guys don't mind, right? Greg, Greg turned 51 a few weeks ago, and we got to know our waiter. He's coming over to our house. We invited him, and he's coming over to our house. I want you to think and consider all of the things that we do in life that happen around tables, right? Uh, every day we gather to eat right, around a table. And let's be honest, sometimes it's the coffee table and you're on the couch, right, if it's our house. But you connect around a table. You build relationships around tables, right? Uh, during holidays and celebrations, Thanksgiving, Easter coming up, Christmas, we gather around tables. We, we mark special moments and celebrations. Uh, big decisions. Anybody have family meetings? We would have family meetings in our house. Now, my kids are older. They're 20, almost 24 and 21. But uh, when it was time to make big decisions, uh, are you going to pursue that job? Are you going to uh, go to that school? We would have family meetings at the table. Uh, when we experience loss, right, and grief, we gather and we remember people who've gone before and we gather around tables some of life's most significant moments happen around the table. And think about what Jesus did around tables. His first miracle happened at a wedding party when people were gathering around the table, right? Jesus loved hanging out around tables. In fact, remember, uh, Jesus was kind of like you and I, Greg. He, he would just meet somebody like our waiter and invite him over for dinner. Remember Zacchaeus? <laughs> he said, hey, you, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Uh, and, and by the way, Zacchaeus would have been the equivalent of what we would consider, you know, a money launderer, you know, somebody who is uh, pretty crooked, uh, does some pretty sketchy things. But Jesus loved hanging out with the marginalized, and he would do that around tables. Even the Last Supper, when Jesus taught about the purpose of why he came, all of it happened around a table. It was back in 2020, remember, when we kind of frame our lives now, pre-COVID and post-COVID, and Greg and I were on a walk uh, because we couldn't do anything else or go anywhere else, right? So we would go on these walks, and we said, you know, what if we, we planted a church and we called it a table? We have so many people in our home that come over, and we get to talk about spiritual truths and introduce people to Jesus around our table. If we ever plant a church again... Let's call it the table. But to understand the importance of tables, I think we first must understand the importance of the church. So if I would pose this question to us this morning, what is church? If I sat down with a dozen of you, I might get a dozen different answers about what church is. And it would largely depend on what your experience in church is with. Barna recently reported, get this, 80% of Christians have a really positive perception of the church. 
That's pretty good news, right? That's a pretty high number. 80% of us in this room have a pretty positive perception that, you know, the church is doing good things and it's a, it's a force for good. But on the flip side of the report, they found that only 20 people, 20% of people outside of the church have a positive perception of us in the church. We've got work to do, amen? So what is the church and what did God intend for the church to be? Now, in Scripture, I don't know if you realize this, there are over 90 different uh, examples of imagery for the church. But here are the top five that theologians find most common in the Bible. You'll recognize many of these. Uh, the church is like the bride of Christ, right? And this one I love because it really emphasizes relationship over rules. That Jesus didn't come to give us just another set of rules. He came to have a personal relationship with us, right? The church is like a temple. Paul describes Christians being built as temples. Even Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The church is like a flock of sheep. We all resonate with that, right? That all of us like sheep have gone astray and we need a good shepherd. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus in my life. The church is like a body. I love this one. I love this one because just as our physical bodies, every body part does something different. My hand does something completely different than my ears, but let me tell you, I need them both on a daily basis, right? And all of us in the body of Christ have different unique gifts and roles, and yet we're all part of one body. I love that TLC is here today and Shoreline is here today, but here's the fifth one that I really think hits home with most of us, and that is the church is like family. Come on, someone. We all have a need to be a part of a healthy family, don't we? What do families do? We take care of each other. We grow together. We protect each other, and we fight. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many have been a part of a family feud? Maybe one or two or more. Let's keep it real. The church is like a family, and it's a place where we can all belong and believe and become who God intended us to be. Now, here's some sobering stats about families in America. Most of us are familiar with some of these. You know, half of all marriages end in divorce. Some of you here today have experienced the pain of that. Um, 19 million children, 25%. Uh, of all kids in the U.S. were living in a single parent family. In the community we are in, 42% of kids are from a single parent home. Shout out to all the single parents doing an amazing job at raising their kids. <laughs> Under very difficult circumstances. So we know that families are struggling, but I want us to take a focus on the family of God. Here's some interesting stats, and this is kind of from our tribe, our family, which is the Assemblies of God, right, our, our movement we belong to. Check this out. Over 3 million people, part of our movement here in the U.S., while other uh, denominations are plateaued and declining, uh, we are continuing to grow because of our missional focus. Uh, we have over 13,000 churches. There's over 38,000 pastors. 44% of those in the AG are from ethnic minorities. We are a diverse group. 51% of all AG adherents are under the age of 35, which means we're bringing the hope of Jesus to the next generation. 
We've sent out close to 6,000 missionaries around the world to help end sex trafficking, to take care of orphans and the sick, and to bring the hope of Jesus. And check this out. Every 62 seconds, someone finds the hope of Jesus through an Assemblies of God missionary here and around the world. Isn't that incredible? That is what's happening in our family, in our family. So there's two realities. Families are broken, yes, but the church is the family that the world needs the most. The title of the message today, I'd like to change to a question for us this morning. I don't know if you've ever been to a family reunion or a large gathering. Last weekend, uh, our daughter threw a wedding shower at our home. And what started as maybe having a few people over at a wedding shower grew to over 40 people in our home. And I remember when my husband and I came home and we were like pulling out chairs. Here, sit on the water cooler. We were trying to find places for people to sit. And the message today is, will we make room at the table? Will we make room at the table? One of my favorite parables that Jesus taught was making room at a wedding feast. We know it as the parable of the wedding feast. And there's three simple truths here that I believe the Lord wants to reawaken in us. Now, we know that there's nothing new under the sun. And some of you here uh, today uh, have been raised and born in church and you know the truth of God. But how many know that there's times when God wants to give you not a new word, but a now word? Let's start in Matthew 22, 1 through 4. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Notice, he's comparing the kingdom of heaven to a wedding feast. He said to his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Talk about a barbecue. Uh, and everything is ready. In other words, the table is set. The party's ready. It's time to get this party started. Jesus often spoke in parables. And I love that about Jesus because sometimes I just need somebody to break things down for me, right? Give it to me simple. He, he used over 100 metaphors and 36 parables in Scripture, and this is one of them. Now, let's be honest. Who doesn't love a good party, right? But who doesn't love a good party that somebody else plans and does all of the work for? Somebody else cleans the house. Somebody else cooks the food. Somebody else sends out the invitations, and you just get to show up to the party, right? Now, it's clear that the host of this grand celebration is God. This party was God's idea. And every party has a different occasion to celebrate, right? Maybe it's an anniversary. Maybe it's a birthday. Maybe it's a wedding shower like we had. Maybe it's even a funeral, a, a, a life celebration of life. But God's ultimate motivation for this party is a celebration of salvation. Ultimately, the table was ready, and this is a holy invitation to heaven in, a, in an intimate relationship with our Creator God. And timing is everything with a party. You ever notice that? 
you never want to show up too early to a party, right? Because if you show up too early, you're going to be put to work. You're going to be asked to, you know, peel potatoes or something, uh, you know, grab a broom, right? And if you show up too late to a party, well, then all the food's gone and your favorite people have already left, right? Timing is everything. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The time to realize that people need to know that God has prepared the table for them is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not when I feel like it. It's not when I can fit it into my schedule. It's now. In the video that we just showed, I don't know if you remember the guy that said, everybody has a story, and he was kind of dancing around like this. He had some tattoos on his arms. Uh, His name is Keith. And we met Keith uh, about 17 years ago. We were doing an urban outreach uh, on the streets of Seattle right by SeaTac, uh, right there on Pack Highway by the airport. And we did a big event. Uh, it was a hip-hop jam in the park event. And we had Christian music artists and food and, and things and people sharing their life stories of, of Jesus. And this guy named Keith came And his mom was a prostitute. His dad was an alcoholic at the time. And he came because he loved the music. And that night, I I gave a response time, and Keith came forward, and I got to pray uh, the sinner's prayer with Keith. Well, Keith's life was radically changed. He, He started coming to church every single time the doors were open. We discipled him. We taught him the word, and he was just devouring it. Eventually, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He met his wife, and we married them. He had a, a calling for ministry, took his ministerial classes, and just got credentialed a few years ago. Keith is on our team today. And oftentimes, amen, God is so good. And once in a while, I look at Keith, and I thought, what if I would have been distracted that day? What if I wouldn't have noticed, Keith? What if I was just tired and wanted to clean up after the event and just go home? But today is the day of salvation. Let's continue on in Matthew Matthew 22, 5 through 10. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while they seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Now here is where they flip the script. What went from an exclusive party is just about to change. Jesus says this, Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. Somebody say, as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gather all whom they found. Somebody say all. Both the good and the bad. Don't you love that he, uh, he clarifies? I don't want you to just... Grab the nice-looking ones. I don't want you to just grab a few people who maybe you like. I want you to grab all, the good and the bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. You ever hear about a party and realize that you weren't invited to it? (laughs) Anybody ever happened to you? That's the worst thing. When you hear about a party but you're not 
invited to it, you wonder how people outside of the church feel and where that negative perception comes. They wonder, am I invited to this party? God totally transformed this from an exclusive invite wedding to opening the gates, right, and saying, invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. The most significant reality about God's table is that everyone's invited. Back in 2009, I remember reading a story about a couple named the Dardens. They showed up to the White House for just a tour. Uh, they were going to get a tour of the White House. They showed up a little bit early. You know, they were, had their cameras and kind of in their touristy sneakers, and they were excited to visit. And uh, they showed up early, and this Secret Service man uh, met them and invited them in. And pretty soon, they noticed that they were in this room, and everybody was really dressed up. And they thought, there must be some mistake here. We don't belong here. Uh, in fact, they went back to the Secret Service men and said, I, I think there's been some mistake. I don't think we're supposed to be here. To which the Secret Service men replied, just flow with it. Before they knew what was happening, they were sitting down to a breakfast with President Obama. <laughs> and when it came out later what had happened, I'm sure that Secret Service man was fired or at least punished severely. <laughs> and given a break. But don't you feel for those people who realize, am I supposed to be here? I don't know. I don't, I'm not dressed up. I'm not really feeling like I belong here. Oftentimes, that's how people think when they come into church and they don't know Jesus yet. Because we, let's be honest, sometimes we kind of get our holy huddle going on, us chosen few, us four and no more, right? And people feel like they don't qualify. In fact, just yesterday as I sat down and I was talking to a Muslim family for a long time and they were actually interested in coming and they were surprised to, to know that we were a church just welcoming and inviting the entire community in to join. Don't you love that Jesus' approach is to change us from the inside out, not the other way around? Think about it. He met the woman caught in adultery. By the way, there was a man in that story right? There was a man in that story that we don't talk about, but I guess they let him off the hook. But anyway, that's another sermon for another day. Uh, he met the demoniac when he was wild and out of control. He met the tax uh, collector when he was in the midst of cheating and swindling and went to his house for dinner. In fact, Jesus loved broken people so much. He earned this nickname, and this is probably one of the most irresistible, endearing things that I love about Jesus the most. He earned the nickname, Friend of Sinners. Don't you love that? Because he invited everyone. He didn't pick and choose. Now, there's something about a good nickname. Anybody have a good nickname? Uh, we call our daughter Cece. Her name is Sierra. Uh, but I like those people who just don't call you by your real name. They come up with a fun nickname for you. Famous boxer Sugar Ray Leonard, he earned the nickname uh, Sugar Ray when his U.S. Olympic boxing coach said, man, he is sweet as sugar. And it stuck. And now we all know him as Sugar Ray Leonard, right? Margaret Thatcher, she earned that nickname the Iron Lady, right, for her staunch stance against communism. We've got Storm and Norman, right, uh, 
his nickname for leading the U.S. troops in the Gulf War. Let me ask you this. This is what keeps me up at night. What if our goal individually as Christians and collectively as the church was to earn that type of a nickname, to be the friend of sinners? Now, I know we don't use the S word very much anymore. But what if, what if we adjusted our lifestyle that when people thought of Shoreline, when people thought of TLC, they would say, oh, those people are friends with everyone. They love the rich. They love the poor. They love the old. They love the young. They love everyone. They love people from different nationalities, different races, different abilities. This church, and I can tell even from being here with you today, that you are well on your way. <laughs> to earning that reputation and being known as the people who love everyone. But let me ask us this. What will we personally do to earn that nickname this week? Take somebody a meal, pay for somebody's coffee behind you at Starbucks, offer to babysit for that young mom, take food to somebody you know who's struggling, maybe just write a little text. Sometimes it's just the little things. Sometimes when I'm having a rough week, if somebody texts me and says, hey, you're just on my heart, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's the littlest things that make the biggest difference. Isn't it true? It doesn't even take a lot of money just to know that somebody notices me and sees me makes all of the difference. Now, let's remember in John 13, it says, you're what for each other? You're Political views? No. Your love for each other will help the world, prove to the world, it says, that you are my disciples. Who do our actions provide enough evidence to the world that we are followers of Christ? Somebody say, ouch, hallelujah. <laughs> the table is ready, and everyone is invited. But will we make room at the table. I want to finish up the parable here. Matthew 22, 11 through 13. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into utter darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And at this point, as I'm reading the story, I'm like, Jesus, wait a minute. What happened to everyone's invited and you prepared this table and now we're talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth and this is getting ugly, right? And yet Jesus is driving this point home that clearly not everyone we invite will accept the invitation. Imagine showing up to a wedding in your bathing suit, right? We wouldn't do that these days, would we? You show up to a wedding in wedding attire. So even though this person was invited, he did not put on the right attire. What attire does it take for us to come to the table? Well, the only thing that it takes is the blood of Jesus, is our righteousness. And there is only one way to heaven, and that way is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And no one can go to the Father except through him. But we need to realize that even though the table is ready and we might invite everybody, everybody's not going to accept the invitation. And that's okay. You know, I love that Jewish weddings, there was an element of surprise in Jewish weddings. So many of us know that the tradition was the parents of the betrothed, they would get together, right, and they would sign a marriage contract. And from that point on, they were officially married, but there was no ceremony. The husband would leave and go to prepare their house, and the bride would go to her parents' house and wait. And as we didn't know how long it was going to take uh, for him to prepare the house. Maybe it was a few weeks, maybe it was a few months, maybe it was a really fixer-upper, and it was a little bit longer. But whenever the house was ready the groom would come back to the parents' house unannounced, and then they would have the wedding ceremony, and then there would be the party. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not how I planned our wedding. (laughs) We like to plan. We like the details, right? But I love that she had to wait with a holy anticipation for the groom because she knew he would show up at any Time And it's no coincidence that Jesus compares the church to his bride. Are we ready? Are we living with that holy anticipation? Jesus, you could come at any time. You could come at any time. Our job is to make room at the table for people to come. People who don't look, think, or act like us. And it's God's job to draw people. John 12, 32 says, And when I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Let's do our part. Let God do his. I love what the famous author C.S. Lewis said. He said, In the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the service, sermons, even the Bible itself are literally a waste of time. Let me tell you, there is a desperate need in this country today to plant churches. Listen to these stats. Back in the year 1900, there were 28 churches in America for every 10,000 people. By 1950, only 17 churches for every 10,000 people. By 2011, less than 11 churches for every 10,000 Americans. In fact, Ed Stetzer, a missiologist, says this. He says, church planting is essential. Without it, Christianity will continue to decline in North America. So here's an interesting stat. Up to 90% of church growth in most established churches is transfer growth, right? People coming from one church to another. But in new church plants, up to 75% are new believers. That's why we need church planting, and that's why we need pastors with a missional heart for church plants and for their community. You treat this church as a church plant, even though this is an established church. The table is ready. Everyone is invited. Will we make room at the table? As the worship team comes this morning, I don't know about you, but I've been convicted. The Lord spoke to me. 
several months ago and said, I want you to start writing some names down in your Bible, and I want you to pray for those names every day. I want you to pray for who I put on your heart. So I, I put our neighbors that are do not go to church, I put them on there. I put my other neighbors down the street from Pakistan, and I just started praying, praying for them, inviting them over for dinner, building relationship with them. Can I tell you, last month we had a prayer service, a pre-launch service gathering. We just invited friends and family to come, and we invited our neighbors, and they said, we're not church people. But we came because you invited us, and we were just going to stay a few minutes to be nice and then get out of there. You ever go to those parties? You just show up to be seen, and then you kind of sneak out. (laughs) They were planning that. And they stayed the entire church service. They said that was so amazing. Who are you making room for at the table? In our busy lives where it seems that we have, I don't know about you, but life just gets full, doesn't it? I mean, when you, when you walk up to somebody and you ask them how are they doing, nine times out of ten, what are they going to say? I'm busy right? We're all busy. But are we too busy to make room in our lives for people who don't know Jesus, to talk to them, to pray for them, to build relationship with them, to give them a Bible, to invite them? Sometimes I uninvite people in my mind. I I talk myself out of it before I even invite them. I think, oh, They probably wouldn't want to do that. They probably, and God told me, stop making excuses. Invite people to the table and let me do the work. We are launching the table next weekend. (laughs) Next weekend. And let me tell you, we could not do it without churches like Shoreline. As you know, uh, you know, it was Mother Teresa that said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. Did you know that? It's one of her quotes that nobody really talks about as much. There's a lot of other things I've heard Mother Teresa say, but that was a wise woman. It takes money, right, to keep the lights on, to have a building. And can I tell you, and I want to end with this story, that we did not know, we didn't have space to gather And because of COVID, we were hitting all types of restrictions a few months ago. We, you know, normal places that church planters go, community centers, schools, theaters, they were all closed to us because of COVID. So it was that week after Christmas. Remember that snow and the ice that we got? And I I said to my husband, our kids were home, one was home from college. I said, hey, you guys want to go up to the mall? And let's go to the mall, but let's go and uh, watch a movie, but let's go an hour early, and let's just walk the mall and begin to pray. Because I hit a wall. I honestly didn't know where else to call. Dwayne, I was like, I'm running out of buildings to call. So we started walking the mall and praying, and it wasn't 15 minutes into our walk. We saw these two spaces side by side, sitting empty, space available. Now, we had already had our commercial real estate agent called them all, and they said, no, we don't have any space. So I'm sitting here thinking, well, this looks like space to me. <laughs> so I called the number. I said, yeah, we're a nonprofit. You want to lead with that, right? Uh, we're a nonprofit, 
interested in some space in your mall, and they came and they showed it to us. I'm like, this would be perfect. Kids on one side, adults on the other. Uh, and so I, I told the guy, I said, you know, we're, we're thinking about giving our business to the mall. We could go anywhere, but we're thinking about giving our business to the mall. And so we, he said, oh, well, let's, let's take it to our committee. So they have apparently a committee. Uh, and they, I thought this is probably where the, the train's going to end, right here. <laughs> they take it to the committee. They come back in two days and say, we'd love for you to be here. They took our price down $2,000 a month from our top that we started talking. And they gave us almost two months of free rent to renovate the place. <laughs> and so yesterday, as people were coming in to shop at Target and Kohl's and Bath and Body Works, there was a church telling about the hope of Jesus, and over 300 people came through it. It's a miracle. And you all are part of that miracle. We still have some significant expenses with startup costs with our kids' space, but God is doing something special. And so I just want to close in a prayer, and I just want us to ask the Lord in just this moment right now as we celebrate this Palm Sunday, as we get ready to celebrate the moment that is the hinge of our faith, the resurrection morning, that we would ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who do I need to make room for at the table? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your waiter at Starbucks. <laughs> who do I need to make room for? Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this incredible church that has always been so missional. And I thank you, Lord, that you continue to remind us of why the church exists, to bring the hope of Jesus to a hurting world that's so desperate and so hurting if we would only make room and invite them. I thank you for these men and women, young people, students, that you are reawakening a holy discontent in our hearts that we don't want to do church as normal, that we won't be satisfied until we see more people at the table, God. God, give us that kind of fire every day when we wake up. God, let it be the first thing that we think about when we wake up and the last thing that we think about before we go to bed. Jesus, who should I be making room for at the table of God? Oh, Lord, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you for Pentecost and that you are still, still today breathing fresh fire into us, Lord. And that our Pentecostal roots, we, we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit just to make us feel good. But just as in the second chapter of Acts, the next day, 3,000 were added. There is a purpose for the power, God. And I pray, God, that you would reignite us, God. That we would press into the power of your Holy Spirit, God, for that purpose, Lord, to make room at your table, Lord. We thank you for preparing the table. We didn't have to do the work. You did all the work. The table is ready. And everyone's invited. And we commit to you today and in our hearts that we will make room. We will make room at your table. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Beth.
Amen. Powerful word. And as we take some time to respond, I just want to want to echo on that because James says, "What faith without works is what dead. <laughs> faith without works is dead." And several ways that I'd like for you to re- like for you to invite you to respond today. We have our communion tables. We have people here to pray with. But this word of invitation, a friend of mine posted this this past week, and it just inspired me. I'm like, and I just I want to share this with you. As it relates to that personal invitation, it says 82% of people invited to an Easter service would say they'd likely attend, 82%. But unfortunately, only 2% of Christians regularly invite an unchurched person to church. If, if that was a stock option today, you would all buy in. <laughs> this is an eternal investment, inviting someone, and we are in a target-rich environment of we're in one of the most unchurched cities in America. Only, two, only 2% of us do that. It says that 7 out of 10 unchurched people have never been invited to church. That brought me to my knees. Because that's, and it said 2% of people who attend church will do so because of church advertising. We advertise on Facebook and we do all those things and we'll keep doing that. But the yield in that is typically 2%. Compared to 86% who attend because they were invited by somebody that they know. How many of you, that you showed up at a church because somebody personally invited you? Someone invited me. My mom and my dad invited me. (laughs) Right? Isn't that powerful? So as we respond today, I'd like for you to pray, just as Pastor Beth just encouraged you. And for some of you, you may want to come forward and say, you know what? I need someone to pray with me for courage. We have people here that would love to pray for you and say, can you pray for me for courage or can you pray for me for wisdom or can you pray for me for the how? Or maybe you're going, I don't know anybody. Come forward and say, Lord, speak to me in this moment. Or you want to go to the prayer rolls. But before we leave for today, let's take a moment. But I'd like for you also to, to pray about, you know, as we have this wonderful church plant launching next week, there's still needs there. If you go to our church center app and you go in where it says that opportunity to give, there's a drop-down menu that says church plant offering. I'd like for you to pray, but maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart now. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you and saying, you know what? I'd like to invest. I'd like to give whatever offering. Jesus even looked to the widow's might and people laughed at, you're only giving that much? And he's like, and he chastised them for that. Whatever it is, it's not about the amount, it's about obedience. It's about obedience. Take this time to say, Lord, speak to me. You're, you're the provider. Now just begin to pray for that person you're going to invite this week. Just lift the name to the Lord. Father, we lift up all these names. Lord, people, Lord, that their greatest need is to be reconciled to you. Lord, the greatest need is that we would be reconciled to you. Lord, we have this body that has an expiration date, but our soul is made forever to be with you. Lord, help us to never forget that. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that when we hear things about don't invite them, don't ask them, don't, why would they want to listen to you? God, we recognize that that's a lie from the enemy. You would never speak that to us. You've called us to go. You've called us to reach. You've called us to love. Lord, there are missionaries giving their life around the world. Lord, we, (laughs) can we be willing to be told no or to Be willing to look like a fool for Jesus. Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness, Lord, to reach out. Holy Spirit, enable us. And Lord, show us the words to say. 
You shared parables. There were times that you just listened. There were times that you invited yourself to the home. And, Lord, there's times that we need to be inviting. Show us those ways. By your Holy Spirit, we pray. So we lift up these names to you. Lord, provide opportunities for us, these holy moments, these God-ordained moments. Lord, whether we're in line at a Starbucks or another coffee house, Lord, at Fred Meyer, wherever we find ourselves, walking down the street, Lord, walking through our door. Give us the boldness, but Lord, but as we go forth, Lord, help us to walk preceding truth with grace in our hearts. You came in grace and truth. Show us how to be gracious. Show us how to be loving. Show us how to be serving, we pray. Lord, as we give today, Lord, to this church plant offering, Lord, for Pastor Beth and the table. Lord, speak to us and Lord, for some of us as we give, Lord, it's going, to, it's going to be scary. But, Lord, we know that great things happen after the butterflies in our stomach. Help us to respond in obedience to you in all that we do. We give you thanks because you're worthy of it all. And everyone said together, amen, amen. I, I love that. I don't know who said it. Some, somebody wonderful said it, I'm sure. But someone said that, you know, that when you're nervous but talking to somebody, those butterflies in your stomach, when you think about it, you know, some of the greatest things that happened in my life happened after the butterflies. I had the butterflies before I asked Stephanie to marry me, and well, my goodness, I'm glad I had the courage to do that. Respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Respond and see what the Lord will do. Amen. Have you appreciated Pastor Beth today and her heart and her mission for this? Can we just close by just doing this thing again? Would you extend your, your hand towards Pastor Beth and Greg? Lord, we thank you for Pastor Beth and Lord and Greg and their answer to the call of God in their life. And Lord, as they prepare to launch this week, oh God, Lord, we know that the enemy attacks things he's threatened by. So we speak against that in the name of Jesus Christ, by your authority, by the power, Lord, that you've given to us as disciples of Jesus. Lord, as they walk this week, Lord, Lord I'm praying for just a muddy outpouring down in federal way. God, that as all the invitations that have gone out, as people walk by that mall, Lord, they may be, think that they're going to Bath and Body, but, Lord, they're going to join the body of Christ this week. I pray in Jesus' name. And they're going to smell good doing it. So, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them, anoint them, and continue to surround them, provide everything, everything they need. Lord, as we walk in obedience, you provide as we walk. So, Lord, be with them. Anoint their good works. And, Lord, I pray for, Lord, TLC and SCC this week, Lord, that we would be bold in inviting, Lord, in this neighborhood that you planted us, oh, God, that you would draw every man, woman, and child, and that they would find you, they would be reconciled to you. Lord, may we be bold in our faith. But, Lord, may we be gracious in our approach, inviting everybody, oh, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name, everyone. Lord, help us to look to the margins. To those who feel forgotten, that we would look up and to say, you're not forgotten. The Lord sent me today to invite you to be a part of this wonderful family. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together? Amen. Let's say this together as we leave today. Let's say this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord. And be gracious. The Lord. And give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all. God bless. God bless.